This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Um, coming to life in big moments. Uh, his toughness, his durability, his ability to um, go out there each and every week and, and, and try to put our offense in, in optimal situations through his play, his leadership, his ownership of the offense. I thought... Uh, his growth from the beginning to the end and, and just our personal dialogue, you know, week in and week out with the game plan. Um, I'm excited for not only Kirk, but a lot of our players who will now have a year in the system and can really build off of that. We can uh, evaluate all the things that we did, all the things we did well, things we need to improve. And At least now we know why there was kind of a faraway look on Kevin O'Connell's face the other day. He just looked a little... Well, a little like Jack Torrance in The Shining or something. Like disheveled, I think is a kind way to put it. That bit me. Yeah. yeah, but it's because he knew that he was about to fire Ed Donatel, and he probably really likes Ed as a person. Alex Boone raves about Ed as a person. He's like, hey, he's just a guy that like invites you to his backyard for a barbecue. He's just that. like an all time good guy. Yeah. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, hey, you guys want these boys want to come over for a couple cold ones and some barbecue? Yes, I can. And some uh, soft coverage. That's awesome. That's great. He sounds like a great guy to talk to. I like your tacos. Maybe you could stand a shell? about yards away from the grill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. be great. Hard shell, good. soft shell. What kind of shell you want in these tacos? <laughs> Ed, that burger appears to be burning. Don't you want to rush to the grill? Nah. I'll just Play take my time. Stay, stay back. Stay back. I'll just that take is... my time going to the grill. Now we're just dumping on a guy. Oh, man. A 30-year NFL career. Um, so the clip you heard off the top there from KOC was about Kirk Cousins getting into the second year in the offense and just more cohesiveness. We're going to get into sort of the flip side of that on Feedback Friday here, which is the future of the Vikings quarterback position based on some questions you guys submitted. But welcome in. This is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl at some point before we die. Thank you for making this one of the most popular football podcasts in America in 2022, according to Apple. That kind of blows our minds. There's just a bunch of crazy Vikings fans running around all corners of the planet, basically. Uh, The show is presented by our friends at TCL. Redefine creativity with the TCL 30V 5G smartphone. Enjoy blazing fast 5G speed, an AI-powered 50-megapixel triple camera system, ultra-realistic true-to-life visuals, powered by Next Vision and booming sound from the dual speakers. Learn more at TCL.com. And uh, hopefully this weekend you're watching football minus the Vikings, but still fun to watch football. And you're holding a tall boy of before we die or furious or something 
in one of your hands. What a perfect way to spend a couple of days, right? Your TCL TV, your big TV uh-huh. hanging from the wall, and a surly, let's say a furious, a logic mm. bomb, a before I die, an axe man. Oh, yeah. You got all of the choices, and guess what? They, they are all, all pros because surly only makes all pro beers. So as you are enjoying the games and sipping on a surly, show us your cans on Twitter. I'm at Jay Zolgad or at Score North. We always love to see the Surly product that you pick. Yes. Okay, first question on this Feedback Friday. Many of these are from the Score North app where you can always send us messages throughout the week. We try to get to as many as we can. If we don't get to your message, keep sending stuff, and we'll, we'll definitely we, – we look for first-time message senders and look for fun stuff to dive into. So um, we'll try to get to as many as we can here. Eric Young asks this question or makes this statement, I guess. I am very nervous if the Vikings were to select a quarterback in this draft or the upcoming 2024 draft. I have reviewed the draft history of quarterbacks dating back to 2011. I believe the chances are so slim of identifying and drafting a stud quarterback at the position. There have been tons of quarterbacks selected, but only a handful of those players are even in the NFL still, let alone with the team who originally drafted them. If you look at teams like Arizona, who drafted back-to-back quarterbacks, the Jets, Washington, Cleveland, they've all swung and missed quite frequently. Um, Kirk is going to be 35, entering the last year of his contract. At some point, at some point, they're going to have to take a swing again. Not just like a little thir- a third-round Kellen Mond swing, but an actual big first-round swing at this position. What would you say to Eric, Judd? Um, Eric, first of all, be not afraid. Kevin O'Connell, I'll say it again, was hired in part to identify a quarterback, okay? So, like, I get what you are afraid of, but one is you, every time you draft a player, I don't care at what position, you're taking a risk that you're going to miss, okay? That being said, at quarterback, think about the payoff if you don't miss. Think about the payoff if you get one. Five years of a contract that's controlled by the league, which is absolutely outstanding. It's Justin Jefferson as a quarterback. Um, and so, yes, I understand why you are scared. I understand that the Vikings previously have definitely with previous administrations swung and missed, but you have to keep swinging and you have to hope that you have the right people in place. Kevin O'Connell to a large degree in this case, who can identify that player as somebody he wants to develop in his system. So that's the problem. Like with the jets, you, you got a defensive guy as coach now. So they're trying to develop the quarterback, but it's not the priority of the coach because he's on focused on his defense. So um, don't be afraid. We can't be afraid. We can't always be afraid. I totally get it because that's my because what he's saying is sort of how what are you, I. What are you afraid of? I don't, I don't know. What I feel sometimes. Well, it's like what if I miss? I get what he's saying. What I'm saying is sports counseling here. I understand the problem. I also understand that you have to overcome your fear. It's a fear of flying, right? Like you're almost certainly not going to crash and you're going to get somewhere in two hours instead of two days or something like that. So that's well, the thing. Well, a two hour flight would be more like probably a, a 10 hour, 10 hour or drive. Or a 10 hour drive. What I'm saying is. Judd you, totally flies, guys. You are, you are taking, you are taking um, a necessary risk. It's a first date. You're, you're, you're dating again. You know, you've been in, you've been you've been comfortable with Kirk for a long time, and now you're back in the dating pool. 
and you're nervous to go on a first date again. It's the same thing of if you want to draft a quarterback. You're nervous of what, what's going to happen here, and you have fear because you have Christian Ponder syndrome. You're worried about what could happen, which, by the way, you can, you can move off of Christian Ponder. They did. Dude. And, by the way, they kind of won some games with them. The Cardinals with Josh Rosen to Kyler Murray, they said, screw it. We're going to try this again. They went from year in and year out with it. It's not that scary. You can do it. Don't worry about it. The 49ers actually just moved off Trey Lance. I mean, he got injured, but they moved yeah. off Trey Lance, and they, and they moved into Brock Purdy. And now they might, maybe they'll get some draft value back but, for Trey Lance. But we do understand what the fear is. We, we just have to overcome that fear. So, he, he, but, it's, but there's, the I, I'm going to, I don't think you should be scared. Screw yeah, the fear. I agree. What are you, to some of the quarterbacks Declan just named? It's very hard right? of you. Because, no, screw the fear. Yeah. F the fear. Aren't there shirts that say, you know, we're working to Bleak get the past fear. the fear. We're we're working through the fear to get to a place where we're comfortable here. Stop being a sissy. That's what Stop I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help this poor guy because I understand his fear, but you also can't allow that to paralyze you. But here's the thing that I don't understand. So what? You know, what if you? Let's just go through the list because I understand the root of the fear and the trauma as a Vikings fan. Yep. There's been a lot of quarterback whiffs. And there's a lot, of, and and the Eric is right. Every year there might be two quarterbacks or something that become actual viable starters, and there's eight or ten drafted. So yes, it's a really hard position to find someone. Of course, you have to take the swing if you want if you want to land a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert at some point. Whenever the Kirk era is done, you can't get one by not going to the craps table. Oh, man, the, but the odds are bad, right? But the odds are worse if you don't go to the table. So step one is, like, get rid of the fear of going to the table. But, well, what if they wind up with another Tavares Jackson? Well, let's talk about the Tavares Jackson era. Even though he was a bust, the team went 8-8 eight and eight in 2007, almost made the playoffs, not, not a total train wreck. They've gone eight wins multiple times with Kirk. Haven't they had three eight-win seasons with one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league? There's a lot of ways to win eight games and or lose in the first round, which is exactly what they did again. They won 10 games 2008 with Tavares Jackson, and they lost in the playoffs. I'm not saying they did it because of him. Like, they won 10 games largely just carrying him for the right, and Gus Farratt. Don't forget my guy, Gus Farratt. A backup, yeah. You put a veteran in there. Played Played a big role in those 10 wins. But like the the T-Jack era, oh, he's a bust. He was a bust, but the but they were able to bring in Jared Allen on a big contract. They were able to bring in Pat Williams, Antoine. Went, they were able to put a lot of guys in other spots to make the roster good. Christian Ponder era, same thing. And there was a couple train wrecky seasons in there, but they won, they won uh, ten games in 2012, and they wind up losing in the first round of the playoffs. Again, there's a lot of ways to win 10 games and get bounced early in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, Teddy Bridgewater era, right? They went 11 and 5 and then 8 and 8 uh, the year after his knee blew up and they just found they just found Sam Bradford. So, people act like if you draft the wrong quarterback, it's going to set you're going to be three wins and it's going to set you back years. Well, on the flip side, even if that quarterback is a bust, the fact that he makes no money at all means the rest of your team is likely to be pretty damn good. And the Vikings are actually, over the next five years, they're in a great spot, infrastructure-wise, offensively, to draft a young quarterback and give him a chance, more than like some of the crap teams in the NFL, because they've got Jefferson, Hawkinson, and two franchise offensive tackles 
waiting to help insulate whoever that quarterback is. And the hope, though, is that, that you finally, for the first time in a very, very long time, basically Denny Green, have a person in place who can identify the quarterback. That was my Spielman problem. Um, Spielman flat out drafted Ponder, and he didn't know what he was doing. He did not know what he was doing. Uh, Bridgewater was more of a Norv draft pick, and Norv, you know what? Norv, for as bad as that, came to a conclusion. Norv knew what yeah. he was looking at. Kevin O'Connell should too. So basically, what if to, to go back to your to go back Phil to your uh, um, um, card table analogy? I think what we're saying here is, can Kevin O'Connell count cards? Because you're looking for the cheat code. You're looking for the cheat code here. That's the difference, right? That's the difference in identifying a yeah. guy who's got a shot. I, I mean, and, and for, you know, for those who will now say, well, it's somewhat just good fortune and good luck. Okay. I'm g- going to go back to, and I know that this is a one-off, but it's a good uh, comp of knowing what you are watching. Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes was seen as a tricked up college quarterback. And Andy Reid said, no, 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 he is not. We can work with this and we can make this work. So that that wasn't just some dumb luck. I mean, the Chiefs traded up. The Chiefs uh, then had him come in for a year and learn behind a very serviceable Kirk Cousins-like veteran QB, and then Jettison said QB. So, like, there are ways to do this that that look like, well, the Chiefs got lucky. No, they didn't. The Chiefs knew exactly what they were looking at, and they had a plan. Yeah, and that's draft, the other- draft draft talent. Surround them with good infrastructure. And that's the other thing, too, though, is is um, the fact that they brought Mahomes in for a year and sat him and probably redid his mechanics to a certain degree is very important, too. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting, speaking of, you know, maybe tricked up college quarterbacks, this is from Jake Jorgensen via the Scornerth app. We can definitely benefit, at least financially, from having a quarterback on a rookie-scale contract. It's been trendy to pair quarterbacks with receivers they recently played and bonded with in college. Look at the Dolphins and the Bengals for proof on this. Hyatt could, uh, he's referring to Hyatt, the Tennessee uh, receiver, could be a first-round pick, could provide good insurance in case we lose K.J. Osborne in free agency when his rookie contract ends after next season. And Hendon Hooker did beat in a shootout a strong Alabama team this last fall. So there's going to be a, a, a first wave of quarterbacks that come off the board, but then later on there's guys like Hendon Hooker, right? Both Hooker and Hyatt very well could be available for us in round two should we pull off the right trades because the Vikings don't have a second-round pick. So they'd have to get their way into the second round sure. or back their way into it um, and get more picks. And so he continues by essentially saying, what if we write a new chapter of the college quarterback and receiver duo in the NFL saga? Imagine getting this Tennessee duo of Hooker and Hyatt and having them develop in the NFL together from the get-go rather than drafting them a year or two apart. So this is interesting. Hooker, if you just look at, like, the numbers he's put up the last couple of years, this is Chipper's guy, Chip Scoggins' guy, Hendon oh, Hooker here. Yeah. Rocky exactly. top. Rocky top. Exactly right. So the last <laughs> two years at Tennessee, he has completed almost 70% of his passes almost 10 yards per attempt and 58 touchdowns to five interceptions over his, I guess, his last two seasons. What do you want? His, his senior season and his second senior season. Mm-hmm. But 
there's some skepticism in the uh, scouting community that Josh Heupel's offensive system is very much a first read. We scheme receivers wide open. Yep. It's not a, like a go through your progressions NFL style training that you get under Josh Heupel. From Pro Football Network, their scouting report on Hendon Hooker, they say Hooker's physical tools remain one of his top selling points. One of his top concerns is his processing and overall lack of progression work. Hooker is relatively reliant on scripted one-read plays and RPOs and will at times predetermine throws and force passes into tight coverage. He also struggles with eye discipline. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Football. And we'll need to improve this. I'm out then. The if you level. don't have eye discipline, I am out. He really struggled when pressured at Tennessee as well. He wasn't pressured very often, only on like 20% of his passes. Yep. But there's a huge gap between when he's pressured and when he's kept clean. But this is not uncommon for, like, there's a lot of college quarterbacks that turned out to be good pros that struggled against pressure. But this is where coaching comes in. Could you could you look right. at a guy like Hendon Hooker and say, well, there's a lot of one-read stuff. He's going to really need to learn how to read defenses. And he struggled under pressure. Well, maybe a guy like Kevin O'Connell, if he sits for a year behind a Kirk Cousins, this is the type of shot that I would look to take. I, I don't know that he's a first-round shot, but these are the types of shots, especially if you're drafting late in the first round because the Vikings aren't a trash right. team, that you probably have to look at taking every year or every other year until you find somebody. I still like the thought of, earmarking the 2024 draft and seeing now now it's going to take time for this to uh play out and clearly guys stock will rise and fall but you know if you feel that your guy is there doing exactly what the bears did for yeah. fields you know it's at some point in time and i know that you know crazy probably loves to trade back it accumulates picks it looks smart blah 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 but at some point in time you're going to have to pull the trigger on trying to trying to do something that your team is probably not capable of doing, which is drafting high. I, the Vikings are likely going to be too good. So at some point, can you get a top five pick? And it's going to cost you. But yeah. if Kevin O'Connell's certain that it's his guy, that's a chance I'm taking for sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of the beauty of what the Chiefs did is they never had to, they just, they used their later pick, right? Weren't they like the 27th pick or something? And then they used draft capital to identify. They yeah. moved up 17 yeah. spots for Patrick yeah. Mahomes and sat him behind Alex Smith while they went and won 11 games. Mm-hmm. Why can't the Vikings do that? But the but here's the problem. When you do that, and the Packers kind of did it with Jordan Love, you're, you're in the middle of a win-now window, which the Vikings think that they still are, yep. and you are devoting one of your main assets for building around the current quarterback to the future quarterback. So, like, if you're trying to win big in 2023 again, you would be draft. Let's say you spent your first round. Maybe you you leveraged your 2024 pick to move up in the 2023 draft. And, like, you traded, like, your third this year and next year's first to move up 10 or 15 spots because so-and-so is falling. Will Levis fell or something. I don't think that's going to happen. Sure. You would be telling this year's team, sorry, you're not going to have any added draft resources until like the fourth round because we just used all this capital to get a quarterback that won't play until 2024. I'm okay with that. Is ownership okay with that? Are fans okay with that? Is Kevin O'Connell, who's coaching the team, okay with that? I think you have to do it at some point, though. 
But like you have to find Kirk's replacement. And unless you, you want to try and I don't know, go get an, another veteran or something, which I don't think that they'll do. And plus to the point that we talk about constantly on this show, if you hit on that quarterback in the draft, it's five years of, of a really reasonable um, contract. So, I mean, at some point in time, don't the Wilfs and, and Quazy and the whole franchise basically have to say, yeah, you know what? This might not be our first choice right now, but it's worth the gamble. And if the gamble works, we are set. Like, yeah, you are in such good shape. And, and I just keep coming back to, you know, the, uh, the Jefferson contract. Okay, that's going to be huge. And it should be huge. Derisaw shortly after that is going to get paid. That's a left tackle contract. That's huge. That's a top contract. And so I, I don't see a way around trying to find that quarterback. Yeah, but this is why the, the fear should be a lot less because most teams that are drafting quarterbacks of the future are just broken franchises like the Bears were. When the Bears drafted Fields, they didn't have an offensive line or any. They still yeah. don't really have like great wide receivers. In, into the same cycle and patterns, you're right. Yeah, Texans, Jets, Bears, all these trash franchises. If the Vikings draft a quarterback at any point in the next two seasons, 2023-24 drafts, you're literally going to have the best wide receiver in the NFL in his prime, one of the top three or four pass-catching tight ends in his prime, one of the best left tackles in his prime, one of the best right tackles in his prime. You'll have those four. Half of your offense is like pillar top Pro Bowl caliber pieces, and you can just sit in that car. You don't have to be super accurate. You don't have to perfectly dissect defenses your first couple of years. You just do enough, do enough to get the ball to Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. The, the ask of a young quarterback with this, and Kevin O'Connell is like this sort of quarterback whispering. He helped Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins have big seasons. We, you should, we should be excited to welcome a young quarterback into this infrastructure. Sure. Dude, for- T-Jack was throwing to freaking Bobby Wade and Travis Taylor 15 years ago. You are forgetting the amount of PTSD that we on this show are trying to cut through. <laughs> you are forgetting the amount Who of... Who was uh, Teddy throwing to? Of Jerome Cordero Simpson? Patterson? Charles Johnson. Jerome Simpson. You remember Charles Johnson? Oh, Charles Johnson. Brief stay here. Oh, yeah. Jarius Wright, who I actually like Jarius Wright. <laughs> I like Wright. Jarius Wright. Old he was a good player, but... He was a very he... solid player. Yeah. But no, yeah, there, there's no question about it. But, I mean, we are trying to now cut through again a lot of PTSD when it comes to this team. Yeah. Quarterback PTSD, playoffs, you name it. Let's uh, put the fear aside. Put the fear aside. Tyler Norland, can, uh, currently listening to your latest list of, def- of defensive coordinator options, would like to turn it up to 11 on reckless speculation if oh, wow. I could. Oh, boy. Of course. Speculation. Would like to spend at least 30 seconds on the idea of Mike Zimmer. It would never happen, but an interesting thought experiment with a year of cooling off, slick Rick out of the picture, and familiarity with the Wolves' favorite players who should be gone. Maybe you've already mentioned it, and I just need to finish the show. We definitely did not mention it. No. Spoiler alert. We did not. Do you have 30 seconds of thoughts? Per Taylor's request on the idea of Mike Zimmer coming back as defensive coordinator. Um, no, I've got five. I hate it. One, he would want to keep guys around. I don't. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yep. 
Sorry. And nor, nor should it. No. But he you should know, go I, do yeah, something else. Yeah, I'd like for him to get a job. Go. You know, if O'Connell looked that stressed out, and indeed Phil is right that, that he looked stressed out because he was he had either fired Ed or was about to tell Ed he's fired. How are these guys going to look when they got to call in Eric Kendricks? And at some point in time, Harrison Smith. And at some point in time, Adam Thielen. I mean, it might yeah. be very soon. And well, say, Thielen you know might what? Be, Thielen might be a little easier based on some of the BS but comments I mean, that, yeah. I'm just saying, there's, I mean, Ed Donatel, I'm going to tell you flat out right now, doesn't even scratch the surface of, like, tough moves, tough conversations. Yeah. He, was he was hugging Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith in post-game locker rooms, giving them hugs, telling him he loves them, game balls. But that's what he, that that's, I think that's what he has to do to get everyone together to win 13 games. But can you put that aside and then tell someone or sure. five different people, hey, we're not going to well, and that's where, bring you back. So here's my question then off of that, because um, there's a very good chance that he is also, as the coach, trying to lay the conversations like this, the business ones, on Quasi's desk. Is Quasi doing this? Like somebody's got, somebody has to be the bad guy. Like who's the bad guy? Well, Ryan Quasi, Qua- I was, well, Quasi has to be the one that, like, at some point, there's going to be a conversation with Eric Hendricks and his agent, and the, and it'll be an agent conversation first, right? Hey, we're not gonna, right? We're not gonna bring your client back at that number. In fact, we're not gonna bring him back at all. We're just gonna cut him. We'll call you for the Ring of Honor ceremony down the road sometime. <laughs> but then someone then has to have that conversation. You want it to be personal. Hendricks has to hear it from. Yes. So yeah, this is sort of the. Mike Mike Zimmer kept a little bit. Of, I think kept a little bit more distance from the players which players complained about the coaches aren't making eye contact with me. The coach won't meet with me. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was easier for Mike Zimmer to, but the flip side was that team was always sort of paranoid and not trusting and lost close games. So I would, I would rather them have to struggle with these conversations after the fact, but build that tight knit unit. Uh, Well, Frank Bella, this is a good segue. Frank Bella chimes back in here. If you remember, and he and he reminds us here, I don't want to gloat because I am too sad and heartbroken, but last month Phil read my note on the air where I was desperately demanding O'Connell to fire Ed Donatel before it was too late. I explicitly said the failure to make the move would cost the Vikings a chance to win the Super Bowl. Because of KOC's weakness and lack of stones, he has shown himself unfit for the job. O'Connell will eventually walk away from the Vikings and continue coaching in the NFL for many years, making lots of money, but he'll win no championships here, and we fans will be the ones to continue to suffer because of his failure to seize the moment. This was not just a mistake. It was a litmus test issue, obvious to everyone. Now the fans have to pay the price for his weakness and incompetence. Wow. Frank. Okay, so so first, so first of all, Frank sounds like like he sat down Sunday night and wrote that note. Just anger coming from his fingers, just rage, rage and anger. Um, All right, first of all, I do think that there was a case to be made that at some point during the season, that like going to Mike Pettin at DC might have made more sense because it certainly appeared that that what O'Connell was telling Donatel was not getting through. Um, that's unfortunate. Do I think Kevin O'Connell handled the situation perfectly? No. Do I think he learned from it? I certainly hope so. 
But when we get into calling him like gutless and stuff, I can't even go close to that yet. I have, uh, I don't think he's gutless. But the thing about this is he's young. He's in his first year. Yeah. Like if this is going to b- bother him in three years, we might have a problem. But I mean, I like to think that I'm the first guy to pounce and criticize that I'm the first to to dissect what guys did wrong. But, you know, I think that there is a, I think there's going to be a pressure on O'Connell now, and there should be rightfully so to get this higher right this time. So I firmly believe that there is now a pressure, dude, if you are going to turn the defense over, you got to have somebody who's good here, not who tells you what you want to hear, but I'm not going to go in on O'Connell yet. I don't think it's fair yet. Yeah. I don't think it's fair either. And look, I, I know I kind of got a little roasted for saying it was cowardly for him to fire him yesterday instead of just addressing it at the press conference and dodging the media. Saw some uh, some YouTube comments and tweets about that. And Brian I, Murphy said the same thing and got yeah. destroyed on yeah. Twitter and by look, people. Murph is uh, definitely more versatile and, and can definitely make those comments and has been around enough locker rooms to know what, what that's like too. But I, I agreed with Murph too that I, I thought he kind of bumbled that setting. And to be honest, you know, KOC put his trust in Donatelli, put his trust in a veteran dude who's been around the block for like 20 years, and it failed, and then he didn't address it in time. And to the listener's point, I mean, you only win 13 games so many times. I mean, the Vikings have won 13 games, what, only three times in their entire franchise history, and you're one mm-hmm. and done in the wild card. And yeah, I know the one-score games, could you could make a, make a case they're a little bit fluky, but at the same time, you had a path here. And your defense was the biggest reason you lost that you lost and went one and done. So, and that falls on your head coach. It, it does. It's well said. It is true. I know we spend a lot of time on the fourth and eight and Kirk and what what can and can't you do as a team with a quarterback making that much money. But like the make no mistake, the defense was the biggest problem with this year's team. Mm-hmm. Generally, I don't have a a major issue with just kind of waiting till the end of the season to make moves. But this this felt. This doesn't necessarily feel like, oh, the, this this is all going to continue for the next five years. Uh, this was very much a pop-up season because now you're going to get rid of half your defensive players who are over the age of 30. It just If you knew that this was a huge problem two months ago, you probably should have made the move two months ago. Yeah, doesn't doesn't mean I'm out on KOC, but I, I tend to agree with what Declan said. Uh, Ken Tomlin said, after listening to Thursday's shows, and the discussion about the Wilfs' overall views, two things are apparent. One, the Wilfs care more about not being bad slash being competitive year by year. And two, they want their team to be built to compete for division titles and playoff contention. They have not shown any interest to build their team to win Super Bowls. Their, if we make it to the playoffs, anything can happen view has been more of a detriment to the team than anything else. They're the person in a failing relationship that would rather stay in with the person who cheats on them than leave the toxic person and take a chance on finding someone who'd make them happy in the future. The Wilfs are paralyzed by the possibility of future failure. What do you what do you think, Judge? A thousand percent right. Like they've when when I was on the beat at the strip, I talked to them when I think it was two two thousand six or so, so about a year a year or two into the time that they owned the team. And they talked about the fact that they wanted to be competitive with a chance to win, that they didn't want to be an up and down team. And to them, that, that means they don't want to be three and 13 uh, or, or three and 14 and, and yeah. then go, you know, and then go down and then come back up and then go down. 
Uh, they were striving, and I talked about this uh, on the show yesterday. They are striving to be, because they grew up Giants fans, what the Giants were with Eli, which is they would get in the tournament, and twice they won Super Bowls. And so the Wilfs think if we just get there, we've got a chance. If we don't get there, which clearly if you go down for a while, you don't, that that it's going to become an issue. And so they that note is it perfectly written. He, that's exactly right. That's how they see it. That's how they go about it. Now, in their minds, I think they thought that like 2009 would turn into a Super Bowl. And it probably, probably, should, it probably should have. I think that in their minds, they thought 2017 might. So like that's so like if, if you look at the incremental uh, um, or, or the overall success that the Vikings have experienced with the Wilfs owning this team, in their mind, there were a couple chances where they could have gone to the Super Bowl. There's at least one 2009 and 2010 where they could have won it. And so that's the missing piece. But it's very, very clear now because, again, it's been pre, it's been various administrations, different GMs now. It's abundantly clear that that view that they talked to me about way back when hasn't changed and is not going to change. They want to be competitive. They want to win divisions. And they think that's going to lead to a championship at some point. It hasn't yet. Yeah. That should probably cause a look in the mirror at some point here because it's been a long time. But that note hits it perfectly. Yeah, I think, I mean, I maybe if they would have won the Super Bowl they should have in 2009, I think I think a lot of these conversations would be different. But the the fact that they haven't won a Super Bowl in 60-plus years of, not they meaning the Wolves, they've only been around for, you know, 16 years. It just, uh, it kind of, it kind of, puts a spotlight on these failed chances. Whenever you do get to the NFC championship game or whenever you do win 13, you know, it just, it feels that much worse for fans when they come up short. And uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, I'm a, I'm an old poker guy. If you tell me you give me eight or nine win teams on a regular basis, does that lead to a better odds of winning a championship than if you were to strip it back load up on young talent, take swings at quarterbacks. In the meantime, maybe you're winning four, five, six games. But when you do get it right, it's not just like a 10-win team or a 13-win team that can only play close games. It's the Bills. It's the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. And I, but, but that approach also leads to more suffering and apathy among fans because you might go through a four-year stretch. I mean, the Bills went through like a 20-year stretch where they were just awful. As they chased, in, you know, they chased out coaches and GMs, and so I understand you want to maintain stability and you want to maintain relevance, but I just don't know that they are. I don't know that winning a championship is the sole goal for them. I think being relevant is the sole goal. Championship being a nice cherry on top if they can make it happen. Yeah, and I, I think their whole thing is let's get into the playoffs and roll the dice, and if you roll them enough, at some point in time, you're going to make a run. Yeah. I think that's probably very flawed, but I think that's how they think. I got one more for you guys here on Purple Daily. We'll do some more feedback over on Mackie and Judd, our other daily podcast, too. Uh, Chong Vang chimes in, says, First off, I want to say what a wonderful podcast Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd have become. In my mind, over the past few years, I believe you guys, along with others, have truly started to make a difference on how we fans of Minnesota sports need to start thinking. No more accepting the bare minimum of wanting to just beat the Packers or just get into the playoffs, anything short of a Super Bowl 
is an unsuccessful season in my eyes, which brings me to my topic. First of all, Chong, thank you for the the kind words. If we are influential, then we do not take that for granted. Um, he says, Kevin O'Connell, I believe we are seeing someone who will eventually lead us to the promised land in the next three to four years. Going 13-4 and four in his first season, I see a lot of promise, although this will be from way out of left field. For the past two years during the Zimmer downfall, all I could think about was how we could acquire someone like Kyle Shanahan. And I feel like we have found our Kyle Shanahan. Since the arrival of KOC and the, <clears throat> excuse me, the things that he has done, it reminded me a lot of early career Kyle Shanahan, who went through a lot of turmoil. But through his system, he eventually gave new life to the 49ers, and they are starting to look like a problem that everyone's going to have to deal with for a long time. There are some Shanahan ties to Kevin O'Connell, right? Oh, yeah. Washington. Going back to Washington. Absolutely. Yeah, their their love of Kirk. (laughs) So so O'Connell, McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur, you go down that entire list, that's all like from the same at least tree branches, right? Yeah. It's all in the same pot or the same area. So, yeah. Um, All right. As disappointing as the end of the season was, and I get it was, for a multitude of reasons. I will say this. I think overall, O'Connell did a good job. Agreed. Did a good job. Now, should he take heat for, for the defense? Yes. Absolutely. And don't forget, after year one, at least, Speaking for myself, I said, I thought Rocco Baldelli did a great job. So there's room for this to go either way. It could go up. It could get better. It could, it could oh, get worse. Oh, Judd's going to change it. Oh, yep, change his mind. I'm warning you right now. I'm warning you right now. And and look, just to be fair, too, O'Connell's a young guy. Um, I think he is a good leader. But that being said, there are lots of things that we can dissect that he can learn from. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that's the case. Ultimately, one of the when whenever his time here is done, as far as the coach of the Vikings, ultimately one of my main things that I will judge him on, though, is did he find the quarterback? What I agree with everything you just said, and I think he's I think he's been a breath of fresh air. I worry a little that he's been set up to fail here. That the organization, the ownership. And then the hiring of Quasey, we're going to bring in Kevin O'Connell to get the most out of what Zimmer couldn't. But, and he did, he did. He got 13 wins out of that crew. First time since 2017. So he succeeded in what they asked him to do. But now, now that they, they came up short, the NFL changes very quickly when you have players over the age of 30, right? And a quarterback that's going to be 35. Not an elite quarterback, a good quarterback. He's going to be 35. Cat problems. If they take a big step back in 2023, what does that do for the future of Kevin O'Connell? Is it going to be, oh, man, well, look at it. all. It's all crumbling down for O'Connell. They only won seven games because they tried to run it back with too many aging players again. They only won eight games. They missed the playoffs. Here we are again, and now they have to go into more of a rebuild. Does he get the does he get the leeway? Does he have the does does the shine wear off at that point? Like they're they're doing this the opposite of the way that you do it when you hire a coach. Most of the time when you hire a coach, you kind of start rebuilding and you get a grace period. The Vikings said, nah, we expect him to elevate something Mike Zimmer couldn't. 
But that's not like a with the ages of the players, it's not like a right. five year thing. There needs to be a retooling and a reset. Which is why they point. took a shot in, in their minds, that's why they took an immediate shot and didn't strip down because they said it was on Mike, it's Mike's fault. And O'Connell came in and at least during the course of the regular season proved that that was partially true. That's a really interesting question because I think it's got at least just off the top of my head, two responses. One is it depends on how that step back looks. Okay. So if you, if you go young defensively, but it's very clear that you're on the right track. Let, in, in fact, you, let's just say that in 2023, you lose a bunch of close games. So you're not you getting eight, blown you up. Eight and nine. Y- yeah. Yep. Eight and nine. And you're losing close games though. But your defense looks like like the eye test here becomes important because the defense looks young but fast and good, okay? Um, let's say that the offense progresses too. And so you don't have these lulls because, you know, as we have previously discussed, your schedule gets tougher, so your opponents theoretically should. Um, and so, yeah, you go eight and nine, you take a step back record-wise, but it, but it looks like you're progressing, especially because the, the roster, knock on wood, should be much different. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot different than you hire the wrong DC again. The defense looks like a mess. So now you're 0 for 2 in two years. The offense still has these long stretches. And basically, basically the 13-win season becomes the fluke that the national pundits said it was. Yeah. So I, I think that's two important things. The second answer to your question, though, is don't discount the amount of pressure if this starts not working that's going to fall on Quasi. Two reasons why. One is, and and we can debate this from a he should talk, who cares standpoint. But the fact is, O'Connell's an eminently likable guy who puts himself out there. And because of that, he can defend himself. And because of that, a lot of people are going to buy into to what he says because he doesn't get up there like Mike did and get all defensive and give short responses and rip players. Uh, Quazy has gone into, for the most part, hiding. And when he does talk, he attempts to basically send you to a dictionary uh, to to look up what he's saying. So, and, and he uh, might be an incredibly intelligent guy. But my point is this: he, it doesn't make him as likable, and and he's in charge of personnel. So I do think that there's a very interesting dynamic at work here as far as who really starts to feel the pressure first. Because if you don't improve yeah. this team from a roster standpoint, Phil, of course that comes back on O'Connell a bit. But the real perception is what's Quazy doing? It's 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 a weird feeling. It's not the feeling that you would expect after a thirteen win season, right? You'd think, and even the way that those guys, yes, their their demeanors, like they just won thirteen this, games. Yes, this and they just perfect. it's like they felt the weight of everything that's about to happen, right? They're about to fire a defensive coordinator. They're about to cut a bunch of future Ring of Honor Vikings players. Yep, they're about to try to figure out what they want to do with the highly paid starting quarterback. Yep, and uh, it's it's. It's not how the Chiefs feel or the Bills feel after a 13-win season or how the Eagles probably feel going into the offseason, right? They, they, those all feel like, well, even if we lost, all right, it's another great season. Let's try again next year. We'll just reload, right? The, it felt yes. different. The weight of it felt different this week. I think Thielen's wife even chiming in about how her, her husband felt weighed on O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid would laugh. You know, he 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 wouldn't care. And someday O'Connell might not care. But I th- but you're right. It was it was like they were ending a season in which they won about six or well, seven. Well, the years. Tyree Kill thing happened. The Chiefs were like, <laughs> okay, guy. Yes. All right. 
well, cool. We'll just trade you for some draft picks and go in 13 games again. You know? Yes. So, all right, we've got more feedback Vikings related on our other daily podcast, Mackie and Judd, which you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts and also the Score North YouTube channel. Please click subscribe and the like button on uh, the Purple Daily YouTube channel if you haven't already. Appreciate you guys sending in your feedback, your comments, questions, your speculation. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on this Daily Vikings Entertainment podcast, Purple Daily.